The words of the Lord from Matthew 4, 12 through 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time, uh, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. These are the words of the Lord. Thank you, Brendan. So we will be spending the better part of the fall uh, season casting a vision for our church. And this has been a, a vision in the making for quite some time. And I believe it's a vision so compelling that it's really worth giving our whole lives to. And uh, our teaching text uh, this, this morning was from the Gospel of of Matthew, but Mark called, in his gospel, sort of around the same time, calls this the beginning of the good news about Jesus. And that really is, in essence, what our vision as a church is built upon. It's built upon this good news about Jesus. And so through our next teaching series, not the one that we begin today, but our next two teaching series, we'll be teaching on the community of Jesus. What does it actually look like to be a people that are built upon the good news of Jesus. And then we'll also be talking about, after the, we talk about the community of Jesus in that series, we'll be talking about what does it actually mean, we talk about this kind of thing all the time, but what does it actually mean or look like in New York City to be committed to Jesus? Uh, but this morning we're beginning a series called The Aim of Jesus. And I want you to sort of think about the, the entirety of the, the life of Jesus from beginning to end, even till now as he reigns at the Father's side, to think about the life of Jesus, particularly though his time on earth and what his life was aimed at. Why did he come? Why did he say the things that he did? What motivated his actions when he did things that people didn't expect him to do? Why did he heal someone? Why did he not heal this other person? Why did he say what he did to these religious leaders? Jesus had a very particular AIM, and we're going to talk about that over the next three weeks. We're using AIM as sort of an acronym for the announcement, the invitation, and the mission of Jesus. And so in all of that, here's my prayer for you, whether today is your first time or your hundred and first time, uh, my prayer is this, is that your life as a follower of Jesus or as someone exploring faith in Jesus that your individual life will get caught up with the life of our community, the life of this church in a grand mission to, uh, to pursue this audacious life that Jesus has called us to. And what that means is that we would begin to live your life, you would begin to live your life in a way that is aimed at Jesus and the kingdom that he is bringing. And that through that aiming of your life, you begin to experience a radical transformation in this particular season. Maybe you're only in New York for a few years. Maybe you're only in this community for a few months. But that God would meet you in this time as our lives intersect together. 
in a way that would completely change your, your whole life, again, in your pursuit of Jesus in the kingdom. So I want to invite the Holy Spirit now to guide us in the teaching today and uh, in the coming weeks as we seek to cast this vision for our community. Let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, I just confess uh, my own inadequacy. God, I just confess to you, I'm not sure that I have all the right words to say. I'm, I'm not sure I can paint a beautiful enough picture. I'm, I'm not sure that I can direct the hearts of, of each of us in this room toward the thing that you have for them individually or the thing that you have for us collectively. So I thank you that I don't have to have any of that because your Holy Spirit is here with us, guiding us, speaking to us, opening our ears. So would you come now, Holy Spirit, and minister to us through the word of God Come do and deposit in us what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you work in sort of business or advertising, marketing, communication, anything like that? Would you just raise your hand? Uh, so a half a person, seriously, really? A little bit higher. Okay, there are a handful of you. What, what does everyone else do? My gosh, wow. Well, you know what a brand is, and you don't have to work, thank goodness, in marketing or anything um, to, to know what a brand is. Uh, they, these are some of the more like globally recognized brands, and they're really small, which doesn't matter because you can recognize many of those from even as far back uh, as some of you are in the back of the auditorium this morning. A brand is simply a non-generic name for a product that connects that product to its source, right? So I don't strictly buy Nike tennis shoes, but I primarily buy Nike tennis shoes. I like them, they fit my feet well, I was a huge Michael Jordan fan, etc., etc. I wanted to be like Mike, I've confessed here before and still do to some degree, I just don't actually have knees anymore. But the point is this, we have brand loyalty, we recognize a brand, it stands for something, it means something, it embodies something that we want to be about. We used to call these products brand name products. So you could get the generic shoe from Walmart, which I have done in the past, um, but really what I wanted was the, 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 the new and the latest Jordan, which is why I worked at Champ Sporting Goods in the Florida Mall in Orlando, Florida as a high school student and spent all of my money on shoes. Growing up, maybe you felt the pressure to wear brand name clothes. Maybe you still feel that. If you couldn't afford a brand name, maybe you'd find a brand name patch and have your mom sew it onto your generic blue jeans. I don't think Emily would mind me telling her story today. That's a true story. But when I was a freshman in high school, I loved staying at my friend Tim's house because I knew he'd let me borrow his brand name Coca-Cola rugby shirts. Anybody else have or wear a rugby? I figured that Matt Harms probably had one of those. I would have loved to have spent the night at Matt's house to wear his Coca-Cola shirt. I also looked really good in it, so that was another sort of thing. But brands matter to people. But a brand is more than just a name. It's more than just like a trademark that we see. Uh, a brand is what, is that, again, that, the totality of what people think about a particular product or sort of their, even their emotions, the emotions that sort of surface when they see or hear or come in contact with a particular brand. All the things we associate with a brand constitutes the brand. And I know you guys are living in the real world, so you see this as well. What's interesting to me is that, a, that brand has expanded beyond products and to people. You know, people today see themselves as brands. 
especially people younger than me, maybe people younger than you, a lot of people in this community. I I was doing a little research this week, and I I came across this website, Influencer Marketing Hub, which I think is basically how to get famous on YouTube, but they have a nice little packaging, so you don't know that that's all they're doing. But this is is what I ripped from, from, from their website. Your personal brand is how you promote yourself. It is the unique combination of skills, experience, and personality that you want the world to see. Now, granted, there are some things you don't want the world to see. You probably don't want to put that in your brand. It is the telling of your story and how it reflects your conduct, behavior, spoken and unspoken words, and attitudes. You can either ignore your personal brand and let it develop organically, possibly chaotically, beyond your control, or you can help massage your personal brand to to depict you as the person you want to be. That's what personal brand is about. Jeff Bezos, who does not write for that website, but who has founded, obviously, a pretty global company himself, he says this about brand. He says, your brand, your personal brand, is what people say about you when you're not in the room. People are are, um, obsessed with curating uh, an image of themselves, hoping to become influencers themselves, and then to cash in on that the influence of their personal brand. That's sort of like a, um, sort of like a pathway that many people are, are following today. And there are, there are trainings all over the world in places like Egypt and India about how to develop your own personal brand. In 2012, the satirical online newspaper, The Onion, which I love, uh, had a fun little personal branding trend uh, uh, posting, and it was this article. If you can't read it, I am a brand, pathetic man says. I love that. Just look at that guy. There he is. He's a brand. I want you to hear me say this this morning. At the very front end of this sermon, at the very front end of this teaching series, at the very front end of this season when we're trying to cast vision for the kind of church we want to be and how specifically we're going after becoming that kind of church, Jesus didn't have a brand. At least not a good one. Not, not one that he like worked to develop. Jesus didn't sit around when he was away from his disciples. You remember like the disciples would get up and they're like, hey, where would Jesus go? And then the gospel writer's like, well, you know, he often got up early and he went away. What if instead of like to be with the Father, he said he often went to develop his personal brand? Thank goodness that that's not what happened. But if brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, I want you to think about the kinds of things that people said about Jesus when he wasn't in the room. They said things like, he's a liar. He's a drunk. They said he was a sinner. Some said that he was demon-possessed. Some that he was raving mad. Others said that he was Satan himself. Jesus was born in the wrong place. He had questionable DNA. His followers were uneducated. His favorite people were sinners. He healed people on the wrong day. He got super destructive in the temple one day, and he said really offensive things, and the list goes on and on and on. I think this is really important, it's really helpful to me to remember that the Father didn't send the Son to build his personal brand. Jesus didn't have a brand, Jesus had a message. And his message was more powerful than any brand in his day or in ours. Jesus' birth, his life, his ministry, his death even, his resurrection, all of that constitutes the life of Jesus. All of that was the message or the announcement of the message 
that Jesus came to deliver. And the message is this, that the kingdom of heaven has come. Now, for years, this church is like 13 years old, something like that. I've been here for eight of those years. We've always talked, and we talk often about the kingdom of God. Even when we're not preaching on the kingdom of God, you've heard that term and that phrase. My concern is that you might just hear this as old news. I want to encourage you as best as you can to try to listen to this with fresh ears this morning. And so I want to define the message of the kingdom maybe a little bit differently or extract a, a, a text in, in scriptures that define kingdom a little bit differently than maybe the way that we've defined it in the past. Although the kingdom is massive, it's big, it's mysterious, it's hard to define. Jesus only talked about the kingdom in parables. It, it's, it's a tough thing to get your head around. But what is the message of Jesus' life? What was his arrival and his life and his death and his resurrection? What was all of that about? What about the healings and the conversations and the walking on the water and the clamming up when Pilate was questioning him at the trial and telling Peter to put the sword away? What was the point of all of that? What was the the aim of Jesus' message or what was the essence of the message itself that Jesus came to bring. And the message of Jesus, maybe surprisingly to some of us this morning, is not primarily a message about how to get to heaven when we die. The message of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, is biblical language used to describe the long-anticipated age of salvation. Now, that probably doesn't clear it up very much, so I've got some more work to do. The salvation that we're talking about, this long-anticipated age of salvation, is the kind of salvation that includes the redemption of sinners, but also the renewal of all things by the love of God through the Son, Jesus. So Jesus didn't just come to make a way for people to go to heaven when they die. Jesus came to inaugurate or to initiate a whole new way of being, and he inserted that right into the middle of human history. In other words, when Jesus comes and he announces the kingdom, Jesus is introducing like a new salvation, a new salvific movement into the history of the world. He is ushering in a future age for all creation that includes three things, justice, peace, and joy. Justice, peace, and joy. Where do I get that from? Romans 14, 17. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he's obviously writing to, or maybe not so obviously, he's writing to the Romans, and he's articulating this good news, this gospel, and this is what he says about it. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he said, well, wait a second, Derek, you said justice. Well, I know I did. The word used for righteousness here is the exact same word we use for justice. There's really no distinction between the two. This is the message of Jesus. When we say that Jesus' entire life was about an announcement, then what we're saying is this is the announcement that justice and peace and joy has come on the back of Jesus, that he is is parting, in essence, the fabric of the world, and he is sowing into the fabric of that world justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the message of Jesus. So I don't know what you have heard about the gospel of Jesus or when Mark says this is the beginning of the, new, the good news about Jesus. What you think about when you hear the words gospel or good news or kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, 
But when we say those things, we mean very much a change in the world, a change in the atmosphere, a change in individual lives. If Jesus has come and you and I haven't been changed, then we have not really experienced the coming of Jesus yet. We've not really experienced the announcement of his life. Not only did Jesus proclaim in our teaching text this morning that the kingdom had come near, but Jesus' whole life was a proclamation that something new was beginning. And that, that announcement, the announcement of Jesus, the announcement of the kingdom demands a response. Repent, this is from our teaching text, Matthew 4, 17. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The announcement of the arrival of the the righteous justice, peace, joy of God into a dark, despairing, desperate world, broken by sin, overrun by evil. The good news that God has injected heaven into the earth demands a response, and the response that Jesus calls for is repentance. Now, what does it mean to repent? To repent, to repent means to, in essence, rethink everything. To repent is to turn, it has sort of this, like, this sort of picture built into it, a, 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 a facing one direction and literally turning and facing the opposite direction. It has that built in, but it's in order to do that, in order to face another direction or go another way, we have to rethink everything that we've already thought. And so in other words, the response to the message of Jesus is to hear the good news that the justice and the peace and the joy of God has come, and then in light of the presence of the kingdom, the justice, the peace, and the joy of God, in light of that, now, I need to rethink everything that I've already thought about. That's what it means to repent, is to rethink. And so... Here's some of the things we need to rethink. In light of the justice, peace, and the joy that Jesus announces, we must rethink our politics. Whatever your politics are, we are not a partisan church. We're not choosing sides. I don't care where you came from or how you got to these conclusions you did politically. The the kingdom of God demands that we rethink that, that we submit that thinking to the kingdom of God and its arrival in Jesus. We need to rethink our economics Micro and macro, corporate and personal. We need to rethink the way we interact with the environment. We need to think about the way we view and treat our enemies. We need to think about religion differently. We need to rethink the poor. We need to rethink our families and our decisions. We need to rethink our eternity to, re- to respond to the good news. The way that Jesus calls us to respond is to rethink everything about us, our rights, our desires, whatever it is, to rethink all of that in light of the kingdom in accordance with the kingdom that Jesus announces, this future age of salvation, it rushes into our world and we can't think about things the same anymore because everything has changed. Everything has changed. Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg, a couple of years ago she surprised some people at a Q&A hosted at the Wharton School at UPenn uh, by saying that we don't have a personal brand the COO of Facebook. People don't have a personal brand. What we have is a voice. 
Listen to how John the Baptist uses his voice. Now, this is in preparation of the arrival of Jesus. Matthew 3, 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. John the Baptist doesn't have a brand. Obviously, he's not trying to cultivate one. He's like living in the wilderness. He smells. He's dressing in camel hair. He's not a very cultivated guy, but he does have a voice, and he uses his one voice, the voice he has, to preach one message, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. And then later, after the life of Jesus, and the Apostle Paul is under house arrest after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then we read this in Acts 28 as Paul's under house arrest. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. There's a little pattern developing here. The predecessor to Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God and rethink everything because the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus shows up on the scene. Hey, look at me. I brought the kingdom. Rethink everything because the kingdom of God is at hand. And then after Jesus is gone, those who carry on the legacy of Jesus, the apostle Paul himself writes, in his, or has written about him in his home, that as people came to visit him in his latter years under house arrest, he preached to them the kingdom of God. This was the message of Jesus, and it was the message of everybody associated with Jesus, that something new has come. Jesus is the one that brought it. This is what it is to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it is. To be a follower of Jesus is not to build our own personal brand. It is to announce his message. You say, well, I should probably look good if I'm going to announce his message so that people listen to me. Well, John the Baptist did not look good. Well, I should probably get some sort of like, sort of street cred under my belt. I mean, Paul persecuted the church. Christians were afraid of Paul after he got converted for years because they didn't believe it. Well, I don't know if I come from the right place or have the right education or whatever. Listen, just remember that Jesus had no brand. When the message of the kingdom is announced, I also want you to remember this. When the message of the kingdom is announced, the sick are healed, the dead are raised, the unclean are cleansed, and the demon-possessed are delivered. Look at Matthew 10, 7 through 8 with me. As you go, now this is Jesus. Now, I've implied a bunch of things based on other people around the life of Jesus. Now, let's listen to the words of Jesus as he's talking to his followers directly, okay? As you go, disciples of Jesus, as you go, Proclaim this message. Gee, I wonder what the message is going to be. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This message is more powerful than your brand. This message is more powerful than any brand. Because his message does what our brands can't. His message clothes the naked. His message feeds the hungry. His message is what releases captives. His message welcomes children. His his message heals the past. His, His message restores families. 
His, his message gives dignity to the poor. His message welcomes the stranger. His message street, speaks truth to power. His message makes friends of enemies. This message is powerful. It's powerful to bring about the change that Jesus demonstrated in the scriptures. So much so that Jesus himself commissioned his followers to proclaim this message and in the proclaiming to do the things that we see the king see happening in the kingdom. So whenever and wherever the kingdom is proclaimed, then and there the kingdom is produced. And that includes your own heart, your own life. It includes the, the room that you share with somebody. It includes your building or your neighborhood or your block. It includes your work. It includes your school, your class. It includes the systems all around us that we just can't seem to get straight as a city. It includes all of that. Jesus introduced it by his justice, by, by his peace, by his joy. Jesus introduced a whole new reality for the world if we will just listen to the announcement and rethink everything in light of it. Do you really want to settle for a life of personal brand building? Is that really what you're going after? Is that the thing at the end of your life you want to look back on and say, my brand was so unique, it was so different, nobody else was ever like me in the history of the world? Do you really want to settle for a life of brand building, or do you want to give your life to kingdom building? You want to spend your life on a wish that like, maybe one day, possibly, if you build a strong enough personal brand, you'll be able to cash in on it someday? Or do you want to live life to announce the greatest message the world has ever known and to do that everywhere that you go? Your life can be that. You, we are called to live our lives announcing the kingdom of God. You can build your personal brand and you can build the kingdom, but you cannot do both. So we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make, and the choice is, as followers of Jesus, well, I rethink everything, including what looks to be the right path for me, especially in a place like New York. If I don't build myself up, nobody else is going to do it. Everybody else around me, I'm competing with. Do we want to live that narrative? Or do we want to be a part of the greatest movement the world has ever known in our short time here on earth? Jesus isn't looking for men and women to procure their brand. He's looking for men and women who will proclaim his message. It's that simple a message. Jesus has come, and with him, the kingdom has come, and the kingdom changes everything. A new age of salvation is here, an age of justice and peace and joy announced by Jesus Christ. The kingdom has come. Here are some questions. How does that message unfold in history over time? How is the message of the kingdom that's been announced, if I live my life announcing that, what will that look like uh, in my life and, and around my life. How do I proclaim the message? How will life be different? Well, I just want to say we're going to look at these questions over the next few weeks, so you have to come back uh, to hear the answers to those questions, or at least our attempt to sort of like arrive at some answers to those questions. But for now, I want to I give you some other questions to consider personally today. One, 
am I repenting? Not did I repent? Did I like raise my hand at like some sort of service or camp or Sunday school as a child? Did I fill out a card? Not even was I baptized. What I'm asking you is to ask yourself, as I'm asking myself, am I in a flow or a rhythm of repentance, of, of continually rethinking, of submitting my thoughts and my ideas that I feel so secure in and so right and justified in, am I really rethinking those in light of the kingdom, in light of the justice, peace, and joy that Jesus announced to the world? Second question, am I stewarding my money my body, and my influence toward building my brand or proclaiming the kingdom. Money, sex, and power, those end up being, in essence, sort of the three idols we hold up in this city and maybe in life. The question is, am, am I stewarding these things that God has given me, these resources that God has given me toward building the kingdom or towards building my thing? And then third and finally, I think this is an important one. I think some of you this morning need to deal with this question. Am I personally experiencing the justice, peace, and joy of Jesus in my own life? Listen, if Jesus hasn't come for your justice, peace, and joy, then he hasn't come for anybody's. When we say that Jesus came introducing this into the whole world, he came introducing it for the whole world, and that includes you. It includes you. And so are you personally experiencing the justice, peace, and joy of Jesus in your own life? In just a couple minutes, we're going to create some space to respond and worship today and just create some space to allow the Holy Spirit uh, to minister to us. But I want to say based on those three things that Jesus is calling some of you this morning to this sort of, this place of repentance, this place of rethinking. Maybe it's time, maybe it's been a long time since you've rethought some things in light of the kingdom. Jesus is calling some of you to humbly rethink some things this morning. Secondly, Jesus is calling others of you today to commit or to recommit yourself fully to Jesus. What I mean by fully is holy. I mean body, mind, spirit, finances, uh, uh, influence, self. God is calling some of you today, to just recommit yourself fully to Jesus. What a beautiful time to do it. It's the beginning of a new season. To say, Jesus, by the help of your Holy Spirit, I'm committed to pursue the way of Jesus and his kingdom this year. Help me come do that. And finally, number three, Jesus is calling some of you to receive what your heart already longs for, but what cannot be, but that cannot be found apart from him. Your heart longs for justice, not just for other people, but for you for righteousness, for justice. Some of you, your heart is longing for peace. It might be relational peace. It might be peace with God. It could be peace with family, peace with friends, just peace in your own heart. Some of you are longing for joy, and Jesus is calling you this morning to come and receive from him that which you desire. So in just a minute, I'm gonna invite you to respond by confessing Jesus at the communion table with us. So we'll have two stations down here in the front. As you come forward and you take the bread and you dip it in the cup, you're symbolizing the, the redeeming work of Jesus in his death and his resurrection. You are saying by confessing Jesus, I am rethinking everything in light of this man. 
I'm, I'm willing to rethink everything, submit everything in my life to the pursuit of his way and his kingdom. That's what we're doing when we come for communion. So if Jesus is calling you to respond in one of those three ways that I mentioned, I want to invite you to do a couple of things. One, after you take communion, just stay down front in this front area. Not necessarily just on the front row, but just come up front. Be here as we worship just to seek from God what it is that he has has for us, allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Number two, ask one of our prayer leaders. They'll be down here too. Ask one of our prayer leaders to just pray with you. Would you pray with me? I'm responding in this way today. Would you just pray with me as I respond? Uh, Number three, you could write out a prayer to God this morning and you can add it to this prayer wall, this wall of faith. We invite you to um, to respond in any way except to not respond. So as you're coming forward for communion this morning, take a risk and just say, God, are you calling me to respond in any of those three ways? Maybe it's outside those three ways and that's fine too, but God, how are you calling me to respond this morning to the message that was announced by Jesus long ago? The kingdom is at hand. Would you stand as we prepare for communion this together? Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you, in your mercy, sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And now pay attention to the prayer that Jesus calls us to pray. As our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Let's respond to the announcement that Jesus made, that the kingdom has come by confessing Jesus together this morning and by allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts. Let's worship.